Welcome to another Livewire episode. In this episode, we're looking at Havarim, uh, in particular, how to use the Havarim template. So one of my questions has been, why is it we spend so much of our time teaching people what to think when Jesus spent so much of his teaching people how to think? And can we teach people Bible study in a different way where they pull information rather than we push it onto them? I think we can. And so I wrote Havarim a couple of years ago and I've been helping people think through how they can use a template ever since. So um, the template is really got a simple purpose. It's how to help anyone uh, teach anyone else uh, how to study the Bible. So the idea of the template is one that can help anyone help anyone else study anything. So I'm going to take you through the four stages or the four levels of Havarim with this template, help you think through how you would do it with other people by showing you how I use it and what goes on in my mind as I'm preparing it. In this section of this episode, we want to look at the things we need to prepare in advance. So there's a couple of things we need to think about here. First is what type of Havarim do you want to lead? Do you want to do one where you simply give people a passage of scripture and they just randomly look at things? Or do you want to do one where you're a facilitator, which I suggest is the best way. A facilitator is someone who goes in advance, they think through the passage more like a uh, tour guide than a travel agent and they lead people through the passage. So one way you have an idea in advance of what you're trying to teach people, even though they may learn many, many other things. So let's look at those things that you need to decide in advance. So first, decide which scripture you want to study. I always recommend you keep it short. There's a short passage you want to look at. Now, when you're reading the scripture at first, you may want to extend the section before and after it to give it context, but really, when we're looking at Havarim, we don't want to Havarim entire passages, it's just too difficult. So let me give you a passage that I'm gonna um, study with you, or at least show you how I would help people study it. It's um, a short passage that is two verses and another verse added to it a little bit later on. So let me read them to you. This is Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, and also verse 44. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So we have our passage of scripture, it's gonna be those three verses. Number two, decide what spiritual principle or practice you want to teach. Now usually if it's a practice, something I'm training people in, something that's very physical uh, or tangible, I tend to use the Talmudine um, template or the flow as we call it for discipleship. But if you're trying to teach a principle, you've got to decide what is the principle I want to bring out of this. That does not mean you're going to help other people study the scripture and learn how to bring out their own principles. 
what you don't want is to spend an hour or two hours studying a passage of scripture and there's no kind of thread, no kind of purpose to it. So I'll always have something at least I want to bring out of it. So if nobody else finds anything, at least I've got something I can give them. Number three, decide what levels you want to use, all four or just some of them. So um, when I'm responding to somebody, somebody asks me a question and I give them a passage of scripture and we explore it, sometimes I decide not to do all four levels. Maybe I know that one or two levels don't really bring out that much information. Um, sometimes just because of time. But if I'm teaching people how to study over a period of time, I make sure we mix it up a bit. So either we do all four levels when we look at a, a scripture, or we do two of the levels this time, the next scripture we do the, a different two levels. So over a period of time, I'm teaching people all four levels, therefore teaching them how to study, not just what to study. Okay, let's look at the next uh, thing you need to decide in advance. Decide which questions are relevant and which are not. So again, some of the levels have multiple questions and you may not want to look at all the questions because it may just simply take too much time. Knowing things that I can bring out of this passage and that they're going to find, I may decide in advance which questions I want to use and which questions I don't want to use. And you'll see an example of that, particularly in the first level, the intended level or the Peshat level of Havarim. Fifthly and finally, decide if there are specific resources you want people to use. So let's say you're leading people and you know there's just a really cool piece of information or something they need to, to discover. You want to make sure that the resource where they can discover that is available for them. So if you read something in a book, make sure that book's available. If you've seen it online, make sure that that link is available to them. So you're making sure you know what the scripture is, you're making sure you know which questions and which levels you want to do, and you're making sure that the resources are available to them. Okay, so let's look at our first workshop. Please discuss what message you would want to pull out of this particular passage of scripture that I just read to you earlier. So let's look at the first level of Havarim. Now again, you don't have to always do them in this order. I suggest this is the best order, but sometimes you can mix it around. So again, what is the first level? The first level is the intended level. In Hebrew, that's Peshat, which means simple. And it's where we look at the context to discover the point. Okay, so this is where we look at the background and we get the manners of customs. And again, in my book, Havarim, how to study anything with anyone. Details of all that stuff is there. Where you can get the resources, how to do this is all there. But we're going to look at the basic template. So it starts with a specific question. What seems odd that may be better understood with an increased knowledge of its context? So this is where you as a facilitator may pose that question. So when I read that story, the question I pose is, was that fair? A guy goes, he finds treasure in another person's field, he hides it again, and then he goes and buys that field for what we presume is the pre-treasure price. When the owner's selling that field to the guy, he's selling it unaware there's treasure in his field. So is that fair? Is that okay to do? It seems a bit fraudulent, doesn't it? Why does, why does Jesus use this as an example? 
So we've asked our specific question and now we choose our generic questions. These are the questions that you always ask and we always look at. Now there are actually several of them and I'm putting them on the uh, screen right now for you. Who wrote it? Why did they write it? Um, where were they when they wrote it? How is it affected by the manners and customs of the day? How can archaeology teach us about this passage? What does history teach us about this passage or subject? What happened to the main character or characters before or after the incident? However, for this particular passage, I'm only going to use three of the generic questions. So let me highlight them to you. I always tell people the different questions they can look at, but I highlight these three on this particular passage because I know that they're going to bring out the answers and the research I want people to find. Now I know they're going to find other things as well which is great. I just want to make sure they find the specific things I'm hoping they're going to find. And if I give them all the questions they're going to spend a lot of time on things that maybe are less important. Okay so they do the research and then we come to the final bit of this section. The action points. Share what the context taught you about the main points of the passage. So let me just give you a few things I, I learned when I did the research on this passage. One of them is that uh, according to Jewish law, if treasure was found in private land that was marked, um, then that treasure belonged to the owner. Uh, if it was on public land and it was unmarked, it belonged to the finder. In this case, we think that the treasure was found on private land, but it was unmarked. In that case, it was okay. And the reason was that Jewish law and the ethos behind the word of God was, if God gives you something, it's your responsibility to know the value of what you've got. So the owner had made a mistake. The owner, if you like, or the metaphor was the owner didn't realize the value of what he had been entrusted to him. He didn't really understand the value of what he had. And ethically, it was therefore okay for this guy to come along, find it, realize how important it is, hide it again, and go back and then buy it at a pre-treasure price. So what I bring out of that is it teaches me, because I see this parable from the perspective of Jesus finding the treasure and the treasure being us. It seems that this was again aimed at many of the religious leaders, it seems to me, who didn't realise what was entrusted to them, whereas Jesus did. Jesus knows our true value. Now I bring out the passage, all sorts of things to do with that, uh, which we don't have time to go into right now. But let me mention one more thing. If you're working with children or if you're trying to teach very young people how to do this, rather than them looking through lots of books and websites, what you might want to do is a fact sheet where you put five or six facts and maybe only three of them are relevant and you simply turn it into a quiz. You say, here are six facts, tell them where you've got that information from and say to the children, which of these three facts do you think teaches us something about the main point of this passage of scripture? So that's one of the things you can do with children. So basically in this section, what I'm trying to do is bring out some factual information that helps me understand the points of what Jesus was trying to teach or what the Bible is trying to teach. In this particular passage, I think it's that Jesus knows our true value and Jesus paid the price for it because we're treasure to him. 
Let's look at the second level. The second level is the implied level or remez in Hebrew, which means hints. And this is where we look at connections to discover a principle. You'll find this in everything that we talk about in these templates, that patterns lead us to principles. So we're here, we're now looking for a, a pattern, helping people discover principles. To do that, we ask the specific question, which is, is there a pattern to be discovered or a principle to be applied? So I try to help people think, when you make connections, is there a principle here? And that can be done in many different ways. For instance, the generic questions are, does the passage refer to another scripture, story or prophecy in the Bible? And secondly, does anything referenced here have a meaning elsewhere in scripture? So you can get them to think about both of those things and look for principles and look for patterns, or you can highlight one. In this particular passage, I highlight, and if you look at the screen, you'll see the, the question I highlight. So the reason I concentrate on this verse is within that passage, uh, the writer quotes Psalm 78. Now, remez is where you um, can quote something or hint at something. So in this case, you quote one Bible verse, bringing to people's attention the whole of that passage. In this case, the writer quotes a little bit from the psalm, bringing to mind the whole of the psalm. And so what it brings out to me is very simple. It's this, that that psalm is about things being spoken uh, in a way that hides them for those that are just really interested in understanding God and God's purpose. But the rest of the psalm that it hints at is that one day those things should be made known to everybody. That God's purpose is that these truths are made known to everybody. Which kind of poses the question, why is it that when Jesus speaks in parables not everybody understands and I bring out the, the principle in this case that people only understand or maybe it's they only understand when they go into something with the right motive maybe when we go into God's word when we when we're listening to his parables for the purpose of understanding him and his kingdom it's revealed to us but when we're looking at these parables for some other motive perhaps it's still hidden from us so there's this theme of hiddenness now, what we do next is important. Put the principle into a soundbite, diagram, or story to share. So again, this is where you're trying to get them to pass it on. If you've looked at the Talmudian template, you'll realize we do that uh, in that template as well. We're trying to get people to pass on what they've learned. So they've looked at context, they began to understand more of under the surface what's really going on. Maybe they really begin to understand what, what the story or the passage of scripture is about. They looked at the, the remez, the second level, that's helping them compare it to other passages in scripture. And again, the book goes into more detail about that. And then what they're able to do is hopefully see a principle. At this section, we're hoping that they're going to be able to share that principle, either through a soundbite, um, a story or a diagram. So when I'm teaching this, I use a story. I actually show this picture, this picture of a diamond. And uh, what I talk about is the true story where this diamond was actually bought for $13 um, at a, a house sale, but was eventually valued and sold for $843,000. The whole point being that when somebody found this, uh, 
that the owner didn't realize the value of it. They bought it as costume jewelry, true story. When they got it appraised, it turned out to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I taught, I bring out a few different things from that that I've learned. But what we're trying to do is get everybody else come up with their own principle, their own story, or their own diagram that they're learning from what the psalm is teaching them and how it connects to the parable. Most people are going to see the theme of hiddenness and God's going to speak to them uh, through that about hiddenness, about motive, about God revealing the value of things to them. Okay, so another thing about this section you might want to think about is what do we do when it comes to children? Uh, again, what you could do is give them a worksheet and say, um, in this um, parable, it connects with a psalm and give them maybe three or four psalms to choose from and ask them, which psalm do you think it connects to and why do you think it connects to that psalm? What's the connection? You'll be surprised how, how well young people can see things and share things. And then, of course, even for the children, you try and get them to tell a story, maybe something from their own experience where they've realised how much God values them or they've realised that they didn't understand something, but then eventually they did. Wherever it might be, you're giving people time, you're giving people space. So, yes, I bring some teaching in all of this, but other people are speaking far more than I'm speaking when I'm leading a Havarim session. Great, let's look at our workshop. Discuss what you think are the benefits of people learning the context, background and history of the Bible and then share great resources you know for finding this information with your group. So just discuss what's the benefit of all this kind of research? How does it help people? And then if you've done this before, if you know where to find this kind of information, share the resources you use with the rest of the groups. Everybody's got a broader a broader um, library, if you like, of websites and books and places they can go to get the information so they can help other people study. Great, spend some time doing that and we'll look at the next two levels. Okay, one of the things we found quite interestingly was particularly non-Christians when they're studying in this way, because we have non-Christians come to uh, our Havarim at least, they're shocked to find that the Bible actually fits into history and history backs up so much of the Bible. It gives it more credibility, gives it more um, relevance. Um, I think a lot of people see the Bible as some kind of just weird book that was written independently of truth and reality and history. So the more they see that there's archaeological evidence for the, the manners and customs or some of the people in the actual Bible, the more powerful it becomes. Let's move on to the third level. The third level, of course, is the interpreted level, or drash in Hebrew, uh, which means search. And this is where we collaborate to discover the purpose or the motive behind someone. So this is where we, we discover people's motives in the Bible, whether that's just a person representing human beings or whether that's a person representing God or God himself or Jesus. We're looking what, what motive, what's going on in people's minds, what's going on in people's hearts that the Bible doesn't explicitly say, but we can interpret from this passage. And how does that influence our motives and our purpose? So we begin by giving specific instructions Choose the character and verses you want to interpret and ask why they did what they did.
So there are many times in the Bible where God or people do things. We know what they did, but we don't exactly know why they did it. We can only guess. And um, if you look at the book, it explains the concept of Midrash, how that works. Uh, it gives you um, the biblical background for that, um, which we won't go into now. We're just looking at the practical way of doing this. So first of all, you, you kind of want to choose which character you want to use. And there's an anthropological or a theological uh, option usually. Theological in the sense of looking at it from God's perspective and one of the characters being either God or the person like a prophet who represents God. Or anthropological um, in other words about human beings. Anthropology is the study of human beings. Um, so you look at it from a perspective of a person almost as though we're trying to understand something about ourselves. So there are two options I have here in this passage. Let me read them to you. So the theological option gives me this verse. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. I might ask them, why did Jesus tell this story to the disciples? What did he think that they did not understand? Or what did he think they did not understand? So I prefer a theological option because so much of Havarim is about putting people in the place of God so they begin to understand or think, how does God think about these things? So that's my favourite way of doing that. But I also understand that the Bible reads us and the Bible helps us uh, understand things about ourselves as well. So there's an anthropological uh, option here. Uh, let me read that to you. The verse I would use is this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought that field. This time I might ask, what did the owner think when he heard later that there was treasure in his field, the field he had just sold cheaply? So sometimes we don't understand the value of what God has entrusted to us. As leaders, we don't understand the value of the people God has entrusted to us. Sometimes we don't understand the true value of the gifts and the talents that God has entrusted to us. Why is that, do you think? Why did this guy sell the field and what did he think afterwards? What does that teach us about the importance of looking for the value that God has entrusted to us? So there are two different options. You could always do both. You could always spend time just drashing this passage in that way. I don't think it works unless people understand uh, what they need to learn in the intended, the, the first level, but you could do both of those levels uh, together and spend more time in a drash by looking at it from God's perspective and a human's perspective. You can mix and match these things as long as you're always asking the specific questions that are in the template. And as long as with people, you're doing all the different levels over a period of time when you do different studies. Once you've given those specific instructions, you give generic instructions. Rewrite the verse in first person. Include what the character may have been thinking or feeling. Retell the story. Fill in the gaps. But whatever you do, don't change the facts. In the book, you can read several drashes and you can get to experiment with drash in different verses. Uh, but essentially, you just need to follow those instructions. Really, someone's drash uh, or someone's interpretation should only be one to two sentences. They can't change the facts. They basically retell the verses, but they add into it uh, what they think the person's 
purpose was or motive. They do it in first person. So in this case, if I was talking about it from Jesus' perspective, I wouldn't say Jesus thought. I would say I thought to myself. They clearly don't understand. I would add in what I thought it was there. So I'm going to tell them a parable, and this is the parable I'm going to tell them. So I'd rewrite the verse, include the bit of feeling or thinking that's not actually stated, and then share that with the group. Now, what you can add is a more creative way of people sharing their draft. So you want to get people to drash it, and then you might want to say to them, hey, here's a creative way you could do that. So the action point is read out your drash and optionally use a creative tool to explain what you discovered. Again, the Havreen book can give you lots of different examples of how to do that creatively. Um, I think Havreen is really interesting and I've led Havreens for months where people have just time and time loved to search out the scripture. But anything, no matter how good it is, can get stale unless the leader puts a little bit of extra effort in and thinks through maybe some creative ways to do it. Not every single time, just occasionally. So there are some options you can look at in the book, creative ways of getting people to retell their drash once they've created a drash. Okay, let's look at our final section. Final level is the inspired level or sued in Hebrew, which means secrets. This is where we contemplate to discover the practice. So what we're looking for here is for God to guide us and say, okay, you've learned this, you've got this knowledge, you've also got the wisdom and understanding of the principle, um, you've been able to fit, uh, uh, feel or think what a character um, thought or felt, and now I want you to do something tangible about this. Now there's some kind of practice, something you're going to do based off what you've learned. So one of the problems with Bible studies so often is people learn something, walk away going, that was interesting, but we want people to go away and do something about it. So we start with an optional catalyst. Use a creative tool to help the group focus their contemplation. So in this particular study, the way I get people to contemplate is I use a friend of mine, Kevin, he had a great idea and he got an object that was really hard to figure out by feeling it what it was. He put it under a cover and he just passed it around. So as people are praying through the questions we're about to talk about, they would also have this thing that they would try to feel and figure out what it was. And that was just uh, acting as a catalyst about not knowing the value of something unless you can see it. But while people are doing that, you don't need a catalyst, but if you want to use a catalyst, you can do. While people are using that catalyst, the real important thing is the following questions and the following instructions. So here are the personal questions. Ask God, what do I not yet understand about this passage? What has been previously hidden to me? And what do you want me to do in response to this passage? So at this point, people that are trying to apply this to themselves, asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, what practice do I need to do? What, how should this affect me personally? Is there a, a to-do list? Is there something I need to change? Is there something you want me to do that will affect me? And then we have what we call the friendship question. So the friendship question is, is there someone to whom I can pass on a message from this passage and how should I do that? So at this point, we're again trying to get people to share with others. So the friendship question is allowing people to wait on God and just see if God puts some kind of instruction or idea for someone they can go and pass this on to. Maybe something very specific 
Um, it might be something that's uh, a revelation at this point to someone. And you can read more about how, how to recognize that in the book. So as a leader, what you would say to people now is, if this is not too personal or embarrassing, please share that with the group. It may be somebody in the group that they want to share a message to. I might say, hey, Andrew, hey, John, hey, Susan, I feel as though um, God's put this on my heart through this passage to share with you. But you as a leader would say, please don't do that if it's gonna be embarrassing or in any way humiliating. So people have got to think through a little bit of wisdom of what do they share and what don't they share. And because some of the questions are private, some of it will be personal things that God has said to them personally. Again, you want to give them the freedom to share or not to share, depending on how they feel about that. So let's look at the final, the final section, the final action points. Share what God said to you and what he inspired you to tell others. Okay, so that's how to use the templates. We've gone through each level. I've explained as a leader, how I use the template, the questions I do and don't ask depending on what I've learned. Again, the whole thing is about being a tour guide, not a travel agent. We're not looking at the Bible and saying, this looks interesting, you should study that or you should think and believe this. That's good, we do that when we're preaching, there's a place for that. But the way we're studying the Bible is we're trying to get people to pull the information so they earn it, uh, sorry, sorry, so they own it rather than pushing it onto them and all the levels will help them do that um, I really hope this inspires you even just the practical way of doing this and gives you instruction okay let's look at the uh, final workshop if you have time I'd like you to choose a different parable and prepare Havreem study as a facilitator now, let me just say this, that um, I've chosen a parable. I'm asking you to do this on a parable because it's very simple. But in the book, I talk about how to have Reem a letter, an epistle, a prophecy, just a piece of history, um, a, a poem, uh, anything. You can have Reem anything in the Bible. But right now, we're just concentrating on parables because they tend to be really easy to use to explain have Reem to people. So choose a parable. Then look at these other four things. Decide what spiritual principle or practice you want to teach. Decide what levels you want to use, all four or just some of them. Decide which questions are relevant and which are not. And decide if there are specific resources you want people to use. What I'm hoping you're going to discover is you can't do a lot of that preparation until you first have done the study yourself. It's only when you've done the study yourself, when you've been on that tour, if you like, of the Bible, that you know what are the right questions, you know what are the right resources, you know what are the most effective levels to use. So I'm trying to get you in this workshop just to begin to understand what it means to be a tour guide. So I'd encourage you to do that and hopefully that's been helpful. Hopefully if you've not already watched them, please watch the other templates. Um, they'll be really powerful and really helpful, those live wires, as we move forward, helping people learn how to think, not simply what to think. Thanks for listening.